Welcome to No Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbon on Twitter. And uh, with us today, I have two guests, uh, really excited, um, both from Twitter and both women. Uh, I know it's like, uh, it should be a strange thing on gaming podcast, but strangely enough, you're not the first woman we've had on. So I feel like, I feel like we're doing a good job. Um, but we have uh, Christina, who is at Squires uh, with two Zs on Twitter. Uh, hi, Christina. Hi. And Emma, who is at Surfboard. Uh, that is B-O-R-D-T uh, on Twitter. Hi, Emma. Hello. And you guys are both here to talk with me about, uh, well, I mean, uh, generally like harassment and uh, harassment culture and stuff like that. But I, I imagine it's, it can be a pretty wide ranging talk. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot to discuss. So. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's a weird thing because it's not really topical right now. Nothing's been happening that would uh, lead us to have this conversation, but it just seemed like the right moment. Uh, uh, no, is the land of contrast. <laughs> um, no, uh, so obviously, uh, lots of stuff going on um, from uh, as mainstream a moment as the Weinstein allegations to as sort of granular and online a moment as the leaking of the uh, Shitty Men in Media list. Uh, there's been a ton going on in terms of like what counts as well, not just uh, I'm sorry, that that is one thing. And that's something I think we're going to have to focus on a lot. Uh, but like what? what happens in spaces where I think a lot of men and I'll speak for myself here too, think, you know, none of the stuff, we don't necessarily know that this stuff is happening. Like a lot of this stuff I, I think has come as a surprise to a lot of men um, online. Um, and also I think what's come as a surprise to some men online uh, is also what counts as, or what is seen as um, uncomfortable or harassing. Um, and it just struck me that uh, we should talk about this somewhere, and also that the uh, the podcast is about gaming, and gaming is not known for its uh, mature and reasoned approach to women. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. So let me start us off, uh, Emma. What's your what's your experience with gaming? Where where have you have you been a gamer before? Do you do you game? Um, I did not start gaming until college. Uh, when I started picking up some PC games, and since then I've I got an Xbox like a year ago, and um, I mainly just play RPGs like Fallout, Dragon Age, Mass Effect. Um, okay. Lately, I've been very very slowly working my way through The Witcher Three, which is a massive game. Yeah, it's huge. And um, uh, so that's been like dominating my free time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it would. I, I the friend. I don't know if you know uh, Ian Williams on Twitter. Uh, he's at Brocktoon, but he um, he hundred percented Witcher three. Um, and I remember like when you talked to him about it, he just like he would talk. He would be like, "Yeah, I'm back to hundred percenting Witcher three. I gotta gotta put a few hours into that, or I'm never gonna get done." It sounds like the worst job. <laughs> yeah, it's basically a nine to five if you wanted hundred percent Witcher three. Um. And Christina, uh, what's what's your experience with gaming? Where where do you game? Have you gamed in the past? Yeah, you know, I uh, dabble. <laughs> <laughs> I I started out playing like just like weird computer games that I would find like on sale at Best Buy, and like so that was like a lot of those weird Nancy Drew computer games, which everyone should play. They're good. They're, they're so good they're and so they're really scary. intense. <laughs> They are scary. Like she dies in them. Like I wasn't. I was like twelve, and like I remember having nightmares for weeks because Nancy. I I made a wrong choice and Nancy died. 
That's brutal for a 12-year-old. I was legit scarred in one where you play in, like, a a high school, and I was inspecting the hallway and, like, the lockers one day after school, and I got, like, brained from behind. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, legit had to turn the computer off and cry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But since then, I've mostly stuck to just uh, PC games. I play a lot of uh, strategy games. Um, I put just... I'm not even gonna tell you how many hours I put into Crusader Kings 2, but that's like my main one. I like I I can't even play it on like the weekdays because I will just stay up until like 2 a.m. like you know trying to seduce my daughter, <laughs> normal stuff, classic stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean there's like that's something that a lot of people have said on the podcast that they are, have put hundreds and hundreds of hours into Crusader Kings 2. So I think you know that upstart company paradox might have something there. Well, the thing, the thing about that game is that, like, I literally did not touch the game until I watched, like, 10 hours of Let's Plays. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> like, you know, it's, like, it requires such a lead up. Yeah, there's a lot to know. It's sort of like the opposite of Nancy Drew in that, like, um, so this sort of, like, to reveal, I've also been playing one of the Nancy Drew games at uh, the request of both Christina and um, um, online's uh, Loon Star, Alana. Um and I've been playing what I forget what it's called, uh, but it's the one where she's in Japan, and there are a lot of really unfortunate accents. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. It's, yeah, it is good. Uh, I read the reviews; I found the best one. Um, but uh, no, not the best one, but one of the best ones. And the, um, I mean that that game is one where you bring in your own expertise. Like you can't prepare for a Nancy Drew game; it's just like it throws puzzles at you and you solve them. Nancy Drew just happens to you. <laughs> Nancy Drew is what happens when you are like waiting for life to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm interested, like before we get to the harassment stuff, I I find this really interesting that both of the things you guys have said you've been interested in playing are um, very story driven games. Uh, And and, I mean, Crusader Kings 2 in some ways is kind of a difficult one to, to pin down that way. And I'd be interested, Christina, in hearing what you have to say about that in terms of like, if you think that that's like a story based game or like a strategy based game for you. Um, But I'd be interested generally in hearing like, uh, so both of you from both of you is, is narrative is like story uh, something that you privilege uh, going into playing a video game or is that just like what you're drawn to generally? Oh, a hundred percent. Like I, my, I have like just butterfingers. So like, I'm never <laughs> going to be good at like, sh- like first person shooters or like anything where I like, it requires <laughs> like any form of reflex. Okay. So like, I'm very drawn to things that I can like pause and like think about and like, you know, just be a little bit more deliberate about. And to your question, like, I, I think Crusader Kings 2 is absolutely a story game. Like, I am 100% just, like, creating storylines in my head for everyone. Like, of course, it's, like, fun to, like, you know, build up your retinues and go and charge Rome and try to kill the Pope. But, I mean, to me, yeah, normal game. An important task. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like to me it's it's about the story that you that you're sort of creating in your own head while you're doing it. But yeah, I mean like for me personally, like I don't really care about like like the visceral excitement of the game. I'm there for the story. Is that the same for you, Emma? Are you because like RPGs yeah. are tricky in that same way? I I started with RPGs because I had had never really played video games until I I started at a 
somewhat later age compared to most people. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so I was afraid of combat, and so I would buy RPGs and put them on the like story mode. Mm-hmm. And um, I I agree to enjoy games with good combat systems, but I still privilege that narrative over everything else. Like I I I tried um a multiplayer game because I got um. One of my aunts gave me Xbox Live for Christmas, and uh, I tried Tom Clancy's The Division. Oh no! <laughs> and it was a miserable experience for because the first few levels you're basically just grinding your way up by um, by uh, shooting unarmed looters, and uh, <laughs> the politics of it were very horrifying. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my God, what have I done?" <laughs> so, I ended my Xbox Live subscription. <laughs> so I like, I, I don't like playing this. I feel bad as a person. <laughs> the only time I tried to play, like, a multiplayer game, it was, like, I think it was Halo. And I just ended up shooting all of my friends. And, like, I, I just felt so, I felt so bad and anxious. <laughs> and, like, I just, like, logged off immediately. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't. I can't do that. Multiplayer for a while because I really enjoyed the sniper build because I could just chill in the back and just snipe at my leisure. But the problem with the sniper build was I was a chronic kill stealer, so Sonic <laughs> it would be charging up and then I'd just like take the shot from like hundreds of people. <laughs> so you were a really popular teammate, is what I, you're Yeah, I've got I got booted from some games and recorded. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> No, I mean, it's really interesting because it touches on a couple of things that I find, uh, well, I'll say frustrating in in um, gamer uh, rhetoric. And, and one of them is that the focus on narrative is um, playing towards like what, what they call casuals. And like, like a lot of things in the world, uh, the term casuals is always... Um, it's load. It's a loaded term. It mean it's gendered, of course, and mm-hmm. also it it just refers to like anyone who didn't play video games from when they were five and is interested in as as you guys both you know um, uh, lucidly pointed out like a visceral action stuff, right? Um, but I find it really interesting because of course that's what I'm mostly invested in too, our narrative experiences, uh, and it's like what you're saying doesn't sound non-gamey to me. I, I know like I don't want to sound like some sort of like uh, I don't want to sound like I'm preaching to the choir or anything like that or trying to make some sort of uh, Matt McGorry-esque uh, <laughs> claim about gender. But like it, that sounds like a game to me. It sounds like, uh, you know, all the elements of, of gaming are there, which is to say like interactivity and um, immersion. Um, I just wonder, like, I guess I guess it's I don't have a question there, but I guess it's just interesting to hear it uh, from someone else and then hear like, oh, you know, actually, like all of that sounds totally aligned with gaming as it is as it is yeah for me gaming is sort of an escapist hobby and so i don't i don't want to uh be put in extremely stressful situations like i like puzzles i like tooling around and you know building a settlement i like upgrading my inventory through very laborious crafting uh i like picking up every flower and like ghoul liver i see Uh, (laughs) I, I want something like that's like relaxing. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing better than coming home and just like playing Stardew Valley for like five hours. You know, <laughs> like I just I just feel yes. like better after I do that, and like that's my more my style. And I I I know that like that's like it's an extremely casual thing to say, but like 
yeah, I just can't get into it whenever, like, there's so much pressure for me to move, like, my fingers the right way and make Mm -hmm. something happen. But (laughs) to your point about the Matt McGorry thing, I'm just imagining a picture of you, like, holding (laughs) Mass Effect up to your face. Oh, like the Jim Crow picture? Only, like, (laughs) press A to find a woman's heart. I'll just I'll just put I'll put a uh, I'll I'll put up my PUBG uh, uh, avatar and say like you can't change your avatar's look because uh, no, there's no eraser for your avatar's look because your avatar doesn't need any changing. <laughs> a classic Vine. Yeah, uh, we could we could definitely do some good male feminist uh, 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 gaming. Like games oh here. I got oh, yeah. I got killed in Tom Clancy the Division by like XX I respect women X. <laughs> 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 that is that is a criminally good handle. Uh, uh, no, I mean, but I hear what you're saying. There's like there's an image macro going around actually today. Uh, some someone screen kept it from NeoGAF, and um, which is a, a the gaming well was I guess I think it's it's going away now, but was a gaming message board, and it was some guy's totally trashed basement. I mean, it was like it's it's a it's a disaster. And he said, like, well, my professional tech and career is over. I got demoted from, I don't know the tech and ranks, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, uh, but like Vanguard to bronze or whatever in uh, in one two hour session. And he's like, what's not shown in here is he did something else. He like flipped a table or a chair and then punched a hole in the drywall. Um, and he wrote, like, my wife says that if I don't have if I play Tekken before the basement's cleaned up, she's leaving and taking the kids. Frankly, I don't really care right now. I'm more angry about the like. I just like I'm so angry. <laughs> it's like, how do you get to that place? Like, how do you get there? <laughs> like there, but That's for like the grace the... of God, go go other game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's like, extremely frightening to me. So I I see that as like a memento mori kind of thing. Like, wow, the Victorians were very into reminding people that death could happen to us all. Well, like, well, that kind of basement destruction could happen to us all if we indulge in our darkest gaming passions. <laughs> right. Well, and it makes me think of Christina's point about, like, just feeling, like, stressed and anxious about, um, you know, killing all our friends in Halo. And, like, there's, like, I think, but no, seriously, like, I think, like, keeping keeping some element of that, like, humanity in there is really important. Like, I'll, I'll find myself playing, so I've been playing a lot of Player Unknown's Battleground, which is, like... Mm-hmm. A very testosterone-y game um and has become like a, a weird twitter joke too and that yeah, people is that will just say pug twitter that's like pug yeah PUBG, yeah, yeah. okay and people say like chicken dinner a lot yeah that's when you win it says winner winner chicken dinner um but it's still in it's still in um ba- it's basically in early access so they don't have any like serious winning animations or anything it just gives you that little thing um but it's a super stressful game. It makes me feel like it makes you feel really anxious, um, and it also makes you like extremely cruel. Like you, you're like you cheer on the worst things. Like you're just gunning someone down, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Like finally, I killed him. <laughs> and like you'll hear yourself saying these things. And there's like I think on some level there's like something where you're just like, okay, I gotta I gotta stop this. Um, but I'm not sure everyone takes that step back of saying like what I'm saying now is not okay yeah like there, there's no like intern there, there's no internal thought about like what am i doing mm-hmm. <laughs> and i mean i don't think there always has to be like i don't think we all need to be like critical consumers of the media that we're like, consuming but like you know 
it, but like in, in terms of just like the discourse about around gaming, I think that like, you know, just thinking about how people have different goals for what they want to do when they game, like maybe that feeds back into that. Like maybe it like you shouldn't make fun of people who just like want to like go home and play Stardew Valley and like chill out mm-hmm. just because right. you would rather like go shoot all your friends and like win a chicken dinner. And you don't even get to collect a chicken dinner. I mean, I like I didn't get any chicken what afterwards. The fuck? Were you like yeah, calling like EA or whatever and like how do I receive my chicken dinner? <laughs> yeah, I was I was calling player unknown and I was like, "Hey man, like your game's really cool, but I am not eating chicken right now." <laughs> um, he took my call. He he, you know, they they told me they value my uh my experience and want to uh make it a good one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I but I, I think you're right. Like there's there's this there's this sense of and maybe we can pivot into the into talking about like gaming and also like public spaces because we don't this I, I don't want to just stick on gaming here. But like, I mean, I think especially in gaming, there's this way that competition makes you feel as if like any reaction is an OK reaction um, in, in like it, it becomes it becomes antisocial so fast. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting just because, I mean, I feel like that applies to, like, so many other online places as well. Is like, you know, like, people just think that because it's online or because it's in a game, anything they say is fine, you know, because, like, right. there's, like, a layer of disconnect from what they're saying and who they're saying it to, if that makes sense. No, totally. And, like, I think... um I mean, I, I was watching a football, uh, a stream of like uh, Monday Night Football the other day, and like some dude was in chat just like spamming the N word, and it's like, okay, I guess this is chat. I think in this time now, that's an interesting topic. Is like talking about <laughs> chat rooms and like illegal sports streams. <laughs> I want to know who those people are. I want to like, I, I just like want to do a documentary on like people who comment on illegal streams of like football games because they fascinate me. Any, anyway. I think, like, going into the greater harassment point, something about the abstraction of a screen yeah. um, makes it so much easier for people to be absolute, like, monsters, or even just mm-hmm. there's there's some level of thought before speech that does not occur when you are a screen away from someone. Like, yeah. it, it, it seems less real to people, so it's like, oh, you know, that DM I sent isn't as weird because I'm not saying it to someone's face. Or, oh, that comment I made isn't as creepy because it's not like I'm looking at her. That kind of thing. Yeah, and actually, this was something we talked about before the show where um, I, I I suggested, and you guys seem to at least sort of agree, that um, kind of like the unfiltered experience of being a woman gaming uh, has some similarity with the experience of being a woman with open DMs on Twitter. Um and I know you both have gotten some strange DMs. You don't have to share them if you don't want to. But um, I, I just wanted to ask, like, and, and I don't have any experience of this. I have open DMs, and mostly it's just people asking me, like, if certain video games are good. <laughs> That's so sweet and nice. Like, that, that warms my heart. Oh, well, it shouldn't. I, it's, it's not fair. Um, even though some people think I'm a woman on Twitter because of my uh, my jokey screen name on Eileen Warnos. Um, but... Uh, uh, 
it, can you guys speak to that? Like, I mean, you don't, however in detail or not, but like, just like the the feeling or the 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 particular tensions that come with that kind of unfiltered access to people who feel like they deserve access to you. I mean, I have gotten some of the weirdest shit ever. I mean, like, and it just runs the spectrum of just like you know, like nice compliments to like I'm I'm scrolling through my DM request right now. Like, <laughs> like one is just like be my sex wife, or Jeez. like you know, like people commenting on how my mom is hot. And then like one time, I had this guy who sent me no shit like several five page um basically screenplays about my life <laughs> i'm no i'm serious no, I, and like I it had people... <laughs> <laughs> like i like and it had people like from my life in it like like he talked about like my dad he talked about like uh, like my friends on Twitter and like it was just like me having adventures that he like wrote about and it was the strangest thing I have ever seen and wow. I don't know I mean like I just I, I, I want to get into these people's heads sometimes because I'm like why do, would you think that any of this is okay to say to someone like you would never say this to someone in real life like why are you projecting your weirdness onto me anyway right Emma, have I you had similar experiences? Oh, good. I have not Emma, had anything you... on the level that Christina has had, but I have had some strange people in my DMs. I only opened them a few weeks ago because I wanted to talk about Blade Runner without spoiling people. Oh, right. I remember you posting about that and saying, like, it was a mistake to open my DMs yeah. to talk about Blade Runner. Um, uh, because I, I did get a few people who were uh, taking advantage of the uh, uh, Blade Runner exception who... Uh, talk to me about strange things, uh, which I can't really go into. But no, that's that's um, fine. And, and there were some nice DMs in there too, where people just uh, wanted to ask me a question or something. I do uh, uh, Russian studies in graduate school, and so people are, you know, asking like, you know, what's a good resource for this. Uh, where can I find information about this? I like answering those types of questions, but there's always that perennial lurking fear that, you know, like with Christina, that someone will write a screenplay about my life or um, try to hit on my mom or something like that. And that's just that's a consideration that I think a lot of men don't have to make online with their DMs, where I'm like, okay, you know, I have to weigh the pros and cons. I remember... I opened them briefly last year um, for like an hour and uh, somehow someone figured it out and uh, sent me a message asking me to uh, stomp on his balls. Oh my god, no, I've like gotten that guy. Every woman He's on left Twitter has gotten a message from that guy and he somehow found out that my DMs were open for like an hour to message someone and found me and got me during that extremely limited window of time and uh, that was just, yeah uh, he sends like pictures of like of like yeah 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 he's a like, he's kick, a real character kicking ball. but yeah he's gotten me once um he continually remakes accounts you know he's probably listening right now on his like 50th account <laughs> but Ugh. he, he I, the horrible thing is he's um 
so out of the ordinary as a uh, would-be harasser that most women view him as sort of a, you know, funny oddity. Um, sure. Where, like, almost every woman I've talked to who's been, you know, messaged by the ball stomper guy is just like, yeah, that's the, the ball stomper guy. Like, no no one's afraid or super offended or anything. It's just like, yeah, that, that guy's going to show up in your DMs. That's when you know you've made it on left Twitter is when the ball popping guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like a, it's almost like a rite of passage, but that's something that say like, um, you know, a, ma- a male writer or male Twitter figure is just not going to. <laughs> ball stomper guy has not shown up in uh, my DMs. You know, if you're listening, ball stomper guy, um, Trevor has a request. <laughs> it's, it's it's okay. I'm not, you know what? I'm I'm no more likely uh, than anyone else. Uh, no, I, I think like I think it's 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 really interesting because like I know, um, yeah, the the sort of like triviality of it, right? Like the the way that it it's viewed as a rite of passage or another sort of like, oh, this is a thing that happens on Twitter or oh, hey, normal <laughs> website or something like that, right? Um, that which I mean I I think is funny too. So like no 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 judgment to anyone who says normal website like me and all of my friends. Um, but you know it's it, it's it's a little weird, right? Like that that it has become so gamified almost that like you sort of just like oh yeah that happens or oh this happens or that happens. Um, and I think part of that is like or that is why part of why people are now like looking at say stuff that's getting guys fired or stuff that's getting guys um uh, in a lot of trouble that i think were we to use it in like a real life context uh so i'll use i'll use the example because i mean it's it's he's uh, this is no secret to anyone uh but to use the example of say Mm -hmm. like sam chris right um i know a lot of people read that initially and were thinking like well this doesn't seem as bad as i thought it would seem um and I, I like a lot of people were like, well, he didn't rape her. Like, you know, th- that didn't happen. Uh, but there's this level of like, you know, being being able and willing to sort of take that approach as a man. And then every woman being like, yeah, this is extremely bad. Um, and that that dis that distance, uh, how much of that? Like, well, I mean, anything you want to speak to on that distance. But then also, how much of that do you think comes in from like, I don't know, this like weird detached online culture we've created? There is a certain detachment in the sense that when the Sam Christoph came out, it had been probably like the worst two or three weeks online I think any of us have seen since the days of, dare I say it, Gamergate. <laughs> yeah, and um, at that point, I personally was just so inured to the this onslaught that it was like, oh, okay, um, there's something that's happened. And that's not a normal way right. to react to these types of things. And it's just, it makes it clear how just it's, and it's just been this onslaught of horrors. And mm-hmm. all me, um, and they're all being mediated and like fought out through Twitter and other platforms. And I had to take a break from Twitter because of school, but it was also just like, I, I cannot take the constant barrage of revelations. And even yeah. though it seems like there are some repercussions, like that guy from, um, what was it, the New Republic? Oh, right. Yeah. Um, why say it Um At the same time, even hearing about uh, 
the sort of come up and said these serial harassers and abusers are getting was just like um, still too much to process. Mm. You know, I know I, I, I know a lot of other women who, who have cut back their, their use of Twitter lately because they're like, I just, even if you haven't experienced that sort of trauma, you're still experiencing this sort of collective, like, I, I don't know. It's good that we're having this sort of reckoning, but it's also, it's tremendously painful. Yeah, like, you know that gif of, like, the woman and, like, she, there's, like, hot dogs hitting her in the face? <laughs> yes. Yes. I do know that gif. Yeah, like, that's how I feel, like, all the time. Like, it's just, like, you can't log on without someone else being, like, shitty. And, like, it, it's weird because I feel, like, numb to it now, but it's also, like... I feel like all the dudes online are also becoming numb to it, which I think is bad because that's how you get like, you know, debacles where like you have people taking pictures with like Bill Cosby's sign and like making jokes about it, you know? And right. so like, it's like, I want to become numb because if I don't become numb, then I just am sad and upset all the time. But it's like, I don't want the men to become numb. Yeah. <laughs> if that just... makes sense. Seeing it turned into point scoring too has been really awful because it got turned into a left liberal war and it's like well those guys from like love it or leave it or pod save america or whatever it's called um they were in that picture with them um pretending to grope a hillary clinton yeah. cut out and then all, all these same yeah. people are saying like ah look some leftists are being caught out and it's like look this right. isn't a problem with the left specifically it's not a problem with liberals specifically it's a problem with men it's a problem with our society it's this insidious framework that permeates every sector of the political spectrum i don't think any particular subset is more depraved or more inclined towards this than any other yeah so i'm i'm really interested uh we mentioned Gamergate. We mentioned sort of these these places and the sort of exhaustion. I mean, there's a lot to take in there. Um, and I think uh, I want to maybe end the episode on the on the relatively lighter note of Gamergate. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about this idea of exhaustion, right? This idea of um, I don't know wanting to. Christina, you said you wanted to disconnect. You wanted to sort of be immune to it or, or a nerd to it, but you didn't want the men around you to be a nerd to it. Um, and you cited, I mean, people know this and people know that I, you know, I've had Matt Christman and, and Felix Biederman on the show. This is, we're certainly like uh, associated with Chapo in some ways. Um, so everyone knows the, the Chapo Trap House picture of them posing near the Cosby star um, with Josh Androsky. Uh, was the sort of instance you you named for that. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about and knowing, you know, we're not throwing anyone under the bus. Like I'm not I'm not asking you to like denounce anyone or anything. Certainly <laughs> no one no one I'm planning on denouncing either. Um but I'm interested in this idea of like um women being uh exhausted but not but wanting men to sort of stay um Vigilant seems like too strong a word, but it seems kind of like maybe the only one I can come up with right now. Um, if you could expand on that a little bit. Yeah, the men need to stay woke. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard because, like, you just... You, you, you want people to get better, and you want them to, to really think about what they're saying. Bef but, like, it, it just feels like sometimes those expectations are, are, are too much because 
you know, men are learning about all this harassment, like, all the time. And so I think that sometimes, like, they react to it by, like, making jokes that, like, are offensive, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think in some ways, like, uh, what it's been for me, and I'll, I'll speak to my own experience with this, is that it's just, like, sort of a naivety. Um, that, you know, not only the naivety of, like, okay, so, like, understanding, yeah, of course, like, women get more uh, sexual harassment than, than men do online. Um, and then actually seeing or hearing about what you guys get in DMs is, like, a sort of illustration of that naivety, like, where I think things are and where things actually are, right? Yeah. Um, and then part of that is also just like recognizing, okay, some of the some of the various actions that I have been taught are okay or simply like aggressive as opposed to assertive as opposed to like abusive. Like some of those things are actually not that way and people just haven't spoken up until now. Um, and that sort of like pressure to change or pressure to educate oneself can be, um, I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's enervating, but it's also like, I mean, I, I would say it's important to kind of uh, keep um, keep abreast of it, keep sort of like challenging my own preconceptions. But I, I see what you're saying. Like it is, it is a lot to take in if it's not your, your lived experience. No, um, I wanted to hit on the point of, uh, exhaustion, which is that I think part of the reason, uh, women are feeling so exhausted and just inured by this sort of, like I said, this sort of reckoning that's happening is that we've been talking about this for ages and these sort of like what Alex pressed on her piece, these whisper networks where, um, anytime you're on on Twitter and someone sees you talking to someone that they know something about, like you'll get a message being like, "Well, watch out for this wow. guy." Like, here's what I know about him. Here's what people have told me. And so, like, women women have been talking to each other about these things for ages. And so, uh, I think part of the exhaustion is just coming from the fact that it this treatment of this as this new and shocking phenomenon when these are things that have been discussed quietly Yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, like, it, it, what's interesting is I feel like men on Twitter and, like, probably in other social networks as well don't really know is that, like, there are always, like, group chats of women. Like, like you can't, if you're a dude and, like, you, like, you know, fuck something up with someone, like, everyone's gonna know. And mm -hmm. so... It, it's re it's been really interesting and also exhausting like like Emma said just like treating all of these incidents as like they're new and like novel whenever we've known about all this shit for forever and have been talking amongst ourselves for forever and now we're expected to like educate men on on how to like deal with it it's just it's it's exhausting and like it just makes you want to disengage yeah i think i think like you said about educating men is, is i it's just such a grand disparity in this where like for many of these like shitty men in media or whatever like this is like the 50th time I'm hearing this allegation but for men who find out about it for a lot of times for a lot of times and a lot of men it's like oh my god who knew about this like um this is the first I've ever heard of it I can't believe it and while that's not an enviable um thing for anyone to go through it can be tiring for People would be like, well, is it, you knew about this? Like, oh. Uh, yeah, and we, and we don't how come share I didn't know because anything. no one believes. That sort of thing. Like, well, we, because we, we've been talking about it and talking yeah, about like, it. Yeah, like we don't talk about it like anywhere outside of the it's whisper network because no one wants to believe. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and it goes back to like I one of the things that I've been so ambivalent about with the list, right? So like once BuzzFeed wrote about it, everyone um, basically assumed the list would come out, and uh, it did, right? Of course, like um, you know, it's out there. Um, it has been leaked. Uh, and what what struck me about it was like there's this there's like you know I hate to give it like a theory term, but it's only like it's like the one way I can kind of understand it. It's like there's like an epistemological difference between how I'm experiencing it and how it was meant to be experienced, which is to say the way I'm experiencing it is like, oh, hey, look, here's a revelation of all these guys who have been like bad. And it, it's a sort of like it's a smoking gun in a certain way. Like the way think of the way like Cernovich is using it. Right. Um, as opposed to the mm-hmm. way it was meant to be used, which is like, hey, this is some information uh, that you might need to stay safe or to, you know, keep yourself in a safe situation, like just so you know, and, you know, keep it in mind. And, and it, 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 there's like a difference between a warning and a um, a sort of like a, a sensationalized smoking gun. Um, and I don't mean that in the way that like I think some people do where it's like, oh, the Whisper Network was never meant to to be judge, jury and executioner. Like, I don't really care if people are losing their jobs over this. Like, that's not really my concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, my concern is like there's this expectation that like there's this sort of expectation that uh, people should be sharing information or there should be some sort of like information leveling like oh how how could you know but i wouldn't like why wouldn't you tell me this that really doesn't like line up with the purpose of the list as i'm to understand it yeah and i sort of think this speaks to like how our society just in general like just to like make this really macro isn't set up to deal with allegations of sexual harassment and sexual assault i mean like i'm an attorney and like i can tell you for like you know the court system is not set up to deal with with rape or or anything like that just because you know we as people like you know want proof and we can't give proof and so like the way the list comes up is like well i feel like a lot of men approached it like wanting proof of you know like what these guys had done and you can't that's hard to give and i think that's Mm -hmm. just our brains just want an example and sometimes those examples aren't there and so you just have to rely on trust which is difficult mm-hmm. but i think it's difficult for anyone yeah definitely and i think like the that idea of trust is also what comes into some of i guess what people have been calling like borderline situations um where like people do things like make jokes that that people find objectionable i mean you know it's i'm just bringing it up i'm not so like for anyone listening i'm not trying to start a fight about this i don't want anyone in my mentions i i guess this is a another privilege i have of saying i don't want people in my mentions but uh <laughs> <laughs> uh but i'd rather not have people in my mentions relitigating these kinds of things not <laughs> do not at me um uh, <laughs> but um uh you know, I, I don't want to relitigate the the picture of the Cosby star or Nick Mullen or anything like that. I feel like they've already been done to death online and a lot of people already sort of have their, you know, opinions one way or the other on them. But there's a way in which like the treatment of that as like sort of trivial, right? Like, well, they didn't do anything wrong um, is is kind of like the 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 conflation there is between like the act and like actually this thing about trust that you're talking about, Christina, where like, you know, there's there's an element of trust going on there that I think um, is difficult to quantify, but ultimately like super important. Yeah, exactly. And it, 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 it even extends beyond trust. It like almost 
it's almost like a solidarity. And I feel like mm. solidarity is something that like a lot of men are, are, are sort of having to learn and process. Whereas, yeah. you know, women have always had this sort of solidarity with each other because it happens to every single one of us. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And I know like Emma, you've been involved, you're, you're, uh, we're involved, uh, with, um, with, uh, DSA or are involved with DSA. I don't know about your, your affiliation at this point. Um, and I'm certainly not looking to dox you. Uh, but, um, in terms of left politics, I mean, this is something that I can think as far back as 2014, I did a, a presentation in uh, Dublin uh, of like a guy, the conference and, um, you know, my advisor was talking about, I mean, a fairly typical, you know, leftist uh, kind of thing where it's like uh, class distinction isn't the same as race or gender distinction. There's two sort of like different epistemological things or whatever. Um, and someone arguing, a, a woman that I, I greatly admire her work, basically getting into an argument with him and saying like, well, what do I do when I'm at a socialist event? And there are just like a bunch of socialists there, socialist men there who treat me terribly. Like, what is that? Like, how do I deal with that? Um, and it didn't that didn't resonate with me enough until recently. And I I think like, I'm obviously it's not about the left, but I think the left, unfortunately, and fortunately has more, has more of a responsibility to deal with it uh, because we're trying to be better um, in a lot of ways. And I, I wonder what is your, what is your sort of feeling coming from the left about this? Like from a discourse that is all about solidarity, um, in like how do you sort of understand like this coming to terms with solidarity late in the game from people who have been sort of preaching it the whole time i think the solidarity point is really the basis of all of this where if you want to practice solidarity and believe in solidarity then you need to stand up for your uh female comrades and believe them and denounce the people that they say Hmm. should be denounced and that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, become like a sort of spawning, like, uh, like <laughs> Matt McGorry type or anything like we were talking about earlier. It means just, you know, treat us as though we are as deserving of respect mm. as you. If someone was harassing you, you would not want to uh, other people to right. humor them. And so it's the same with us. Like, don't humor that type of thing don't indulge in people and people's like harassment don't yeah i i guess what i would want to say is i i don't want men on the left to treat this sort of issue as uh you know uh, uh, aberrations and otherwise good people because um it's it's not just like oh you know he has a uh misogynistic impulse sometimes and just acts on it but otherwise he's great i was like no i I want you to say like this person Mm -hmm. did a shitty thing here's what we're going to do about it here's what we're going to do in the future and it doesn't mean that someone is irredeemably bad if they make like a creepy comment once or anything like that but it's something that needs to be like with the cosby thing needs to be apologized for needs to be addressed and apologies just they don't mean anything without some sort of positive step forward. So that's why I was really hardened by like the, the um, ESALA thing where they were like, oh, well, we're going to do sensitivity training and really focus on how we can uh, act better in the future. Because 
uh, that's what's really important to me is knowing that you are someone is com committed to further mm -hmm. solidarity with. Yeah, and Emma, that's a really interesting point because I feel like so much of the online discourse sometimes is about like branding men as, or harassers, or I mean, because harassers can be men or women. Harassers is people who can never be rehabilitated and like, you know, they're just bad forever. And I feel like that sort of limits us for like what we can do whenever we find out that someone is a harasser and, you know, I I really respond to you saying that you, you want to hear about the steps that we're going to take after to, like, apologize. Not only apologize, but how you can be better next time. And that's sort of, like, where I would like more of the conversations to go. Like, how can we deal with and sort of, you know, rehabilitate after? Well, I feel like at some point this sort of, sort of branding um, serves as a, as a way for people who are otherwise potentially complicit in this sort of misogynistic behavior be like, well, at least I'm not mm -hmm. him. Rather than acknowledging that we live in an incredibly misogynistic society, one that basically hates women, and everyone is socialized with these type of instincts as they grow up. And so, basically what I want to see is this acknowledgement that um, anyone can sort of be prey to these sort of things, not necessarily like in a, oh, all men are trash type of way, but just a, um, men are no, there are no men who are immune from ever acting misogynistic right. ever. Yeah. And that we should be aware of these uh, overarching structures rather than like the sort of individualized behavior. Yes. That's not to say, of course, like that men who harass and abuse should be, you know, perfectly rehabilitated and accepted or anything, but to acknowledge that, like, Harvey Weinstein is operating under this cover because society allows him to, that kind of thing. Right, like, the structure is set up for mm -hmm. this kind of behavior. Yeah, and I mean, we talk about structures all the time on the left, uh, particularly structures of, I mean, I think... I think it's true that we we hesitate to talk about structures of gender because inevitably that ends up um, uh, killing our idols. Sometimes uh, you start thinking about gender and you start having to question some of like you know, Althusser shot his wife. Like, what do you do with that? Um, but you know, we talk about structures all the time with like class, particularly race, sometimes as well. Uh, but I think class predominantly because it is like it's a structure we're kind of used to talking about because we have to consider it in that that abstract. Um, and I think like it's very much um, it's a very salient point, one that I hadn't ever thought about in this particular way, that structures that we're very close to, um, such as like, I mean, gender relations, sexual uh, sexism, sexual like, um, uh, the, well, not sexual, but like uh, sexist relations between men and women, um, the ways, you know, I or other men treat women, you know, that has its own structural uh, component. And it's something that's like deeply uncomfortable to think about that, like something that you feel is naturalized is actually mm -hmm. like very much constructed. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of interesting because a lot of the people that you hear about uh, who are serial harassers or serial assaulters are people who are super popular in their circles. Mm -hmm. And it's 
and because of that sort of setup, they're allowed to keep doing it because no one wants to believe, like, oh, that nice guy, like, the DJ at the radio station, like, would do something like this. And because there's, like, the setup, it just keeps perpetuating because no one wants to believe. And, like, that's, like, the structure of the interactions, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. Mm -hmm. So... I don't want to. I don't want to shift gears too much. This has been really useful. Uh, so I want to ask you guys: Is there any? Is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of like harassment in spa- social spaces like this, particularly? And I won't ask you. I won't ask you to educate our male listeners because uh, I don't want to add to your exhaustion. Uh, oh, I have a thing. Oh yeah, go for it. <laughs> oh, um, something I've been seeing a lot lately on Twitter over like the past few years or so is this sort of acknowledgement by men on the left of sexism that they then replay in women's mentions. So like through irony and I just want to have a sort of PSA that it's it's not funny and it's still creepy if I post a selfie and like 10 guys with a rose emoji say show me the feet. Ah, that is actually that's good to know. Yeah, as a joke about like Ah, there are some guys out there who would say that seriously. No, it's still weird to read. Please don't do it. <laughs> yeah, and just going off of that, I, I I feel like Twitter especially, like because you can see people having conversations back and forth on the timeline with their friends, like people see that who like aren't friends, like aren't friends with you and then think that they can talk to you like that. And, you know, just think really hard about saying, like, some, like, kind of sarcastic, shitty comment to me or to anyone. Because, like, you know, just because my friends do it doesn't mean that you can do it. And just, which I realize is sort of like, a you know, advanced social thinking, which maybe people don't pick up on because it's online. But, like, you know, just because I'm putting my information out there and just because I'm talking about my life doesn't mean that, like, I'm inviting your, like snide comments about it yeah if you were on the train you wouldn't do that necessarily right like you hear two people talking about it you would be like hey i have a yeah. thought about that what you what you two are talking about yeah no those are those are two very good uh good pieces of advice that i i can see uh i can actually imagine Please, um, no, more feet. no more no more feet <laughs> jokes let's retire it let's retire the the feet jokes um it's done <laughs> so um I wanted to end on this note because I think it's I think it's game related and I think it's a little lighter. Um, but I don't want to end on this note without saying, um, you know, thanks for thanks for sharing all that. I think it's um, again, I don't want to come off as some uh, as like the the stereotypical male ally. So I'll just say, like, you know, it, it, it's very helpful from for me from like a just like. I don't know. I like to think about things in in terms of systems. It's like I I like systemic thinking. I like Marxism because of that. It's just sort of something that appeals to me. Um thinking about this systemically thinking about it as like a system that rewards and perpetuates uh sexism and misogyny is extremely helpful not that i haven't thought about that before tons of other people before me haven't thought about it but like within these terms it's new for me and so it's very helpful and i i think it'll be really helpful for for people listening as well it's just you know it is very difficult um from a a you know, a, a sort of cis male or cis het male uh, perspective to to recognize that the things you think are sort of like taken for granted in your life are absolutely not the same for other people. Um, so I, I really appreciate you guys coming on and, and like 
openly talking about it. Thank you. No problem. It's been really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say Christina and I are, you know, representative of all women on the left or anything, but I feel like um, at some point, um, you know, we do, we do need to be talking about this and having these type of conversations. So I'm really thankful that uh, I was invited to talk about it. Of course. And before so you guys... Oh, go ahead. Down out open. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, I think it's a good... I mean, I'm very grateful for you guys coming and, and having the conversation with me. Um, and before we go, I did want to touch on one thing. So we mentioned Gamergate. And <laughs> Emma, before we were recording, you were talking about The Witcher 3 and particularly about a particular like armor situation. So uh, do you mind rehashing that for us? <laughs> so I've been playing The Witcher 3 and there's this uh, sorceress character. And if I use any of the wrong terms for this... Um, do not at her. Do not at me. Uh, I've been playing like two hours a week for like the past few months. And so my knowledge of the lore is very shaky. <laughs> but uh, there's this uh, sorceress and she wears this incredibly impractical uh, outfit. It's like a very deep V-neck that's also very loose with no bra. And so that uh, the character G Geralt or Geralt, um, have a sort of running joke with my boyfriend in which we never say his name correctly and so I've <laughs> remembered all the wrong pronunciations. That's a really good running joke. Um, usually just call him Jeremy but uh, whenever Jeremy is looking at the camera uh, you're, the, the viewer and his eyes are always drawn to the hint of nipple that is being shown <laughs> uh, oh. and it's, it's, it's very weird and voyeuristic and it makes me uncomfortable as a woman because it feels like uh, a reminder that this game is meant for this sort of heterosexual male gaze. Mm. Where it's like, aha, I, you know, at this time in my gaming experience, I would love to look upon a, a, a breast. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, man, you know, I appreciate great, great breasts as much as, as any uh, straight man, but... Uh, I also just want to kill the, these wild hunt guys and figure out what's going on in these like elven ruins or whatever. So like, can we, can we, you know, her eyes are up here. Um, can she put on a sweater? Cause these guys keep shooting ice at us. And I'm really concerned that <laughs> it, I'm about her health. And um, it's just, it's it sort of takes you out of the game as this reminder that uh, these, these games are not made for you. Um, they are made for this, uh, this, this specific demographic of gamer who is like, if I don't get to see three tits for every 40 minutes of cutscenes, I'm, I'm going to riot. I'm going to send 50 angry tweets to someone at Kotaku. Uh, and it's just very unpleasant. And so, um, my proposal is for cool feminine armor that is practical. And um, sure, it can show some taste, some tasteful boob, uh, but something that's just more friendly to female gamers. Um, this this is my this is my new single issue. Um, I'll be voting on it in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Brianna Wu's running in Massachusetts. Yeah, the sensible sweater platform. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see some. Some characters in a fucking sports bra or I wanna something. See some thick cardigans. Uh, you know, I want to see some like leather turtlenecks and whatnot. I, I want to see some appropriate uh, 
I want to see some appropriate bra support. I want to I want to know that the the women I'm encountering in my video games have a nice working underwire. <laughs> that's that's very thoughtful, especially considering most of them uh in in contemporary games given uh trends would have some uh, back problems as well if they didn't. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> oh god. I feel like every every woman in The Witcher, even the like innkeepers, are uh, could benefit from a sort of breast reduction surgery <laughs> due to their incipient back problem. I had a serious point about this, but now I'm I've lost it, and I'm just I I give everyone a bra. I, I think you made your serious point. I mean, like the, it is about male gaze. It's about like sort of who the games are for and 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 leaving people out. I mean, I think like I like that example so much because it it speaks to you know one of the main things about gamergate and even to today is this idea that things are being censored because of prudes on in you know in in the united states and the sjw's are trying to censor things and it's like it, to me it misses the point of like okay so we're taking these things out not because we want to censor sexuality but because like you know in a lot of cases because like it in it sort of is uh indicative of something more deviant like um child pornography or something like that but also it is like it's just making people uncomfortable um and there's a capitalist way of looking at that which is i wish more women bought our games um <laughs> and a socialist way of looking at it which is like i wish everyone could be a little more comfortable in this communal space um yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I, I i buy that i think like i think like there's there's a there's an argument to be made that like games are certainly mod modifiable uh, they give you a lot of choices they don't give you a lot of choices to be like a woman who is just existing in the world yeah that's that's a great point is that the female female like npcs are often like built to be commodified mm -hmm. like they're, they're it's like the devs are creating them with the uh expectation that there will be sexy fan art and you know um you know people will be sort of drooling over this female character and it's I mean there's nothing wrong with wanting to design an attractive character and show off her body or whatever but it becomes a problem when that is the focus of the character and um, with this example in The Witcher like this woman is uh, supposed to cure a mess supposed to be like an incredibly powerful sorceress but all, most of what she does is like uh, sling her boobs around and hit on Gerald and it's like no I want to I want to see her do something besides be an object to look at that also helps out and fight sometimes like I, I want more from her and I I feel like as a as a female consumer I I have the right to a, a character that means more than just a vessel for uh great like cis males to look at and want to like have sex with yeah no and i mean this is something that they do with gerald um gerald george uh who you know <laughs> starts the game kicked back in a bathtub and is like totally sexualized and then through the rest of the game it's just an armor and stuff like they, yeah, they seem yeah. to be able to but switch gears with him first because it, it does seem like a sort of subversion where they're like the camera is very like languorously like um taking in all of gerald's like guard muscle body and then it just sort of abruptly switches to like the the um uh, uh medieval polish browsers for like the rest of the game <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so I like I like your character customization, Emma. I want to ask Christina if you could pick one thing that more games would allow the female char- female characters to wear or do or accomplish or any anything that would be customizable in a game. Um, what what do you think you would pick? I think that. Uh, if I could add any mod, it would be to make every like male character look exactly like Army Hammer, but shirtless. <laughs> hey, I get it. Sure. I mean, like the sexualization thing goes both ways, and I don't know. Like, I just I I I want the female characters to have the ability to like put on a coat or something. Like I just get so worried that like their boobies are going to pop out like halfway through a boss battle. And like, I know that if I was like an elf knight princess, like I wouldn't want to be worried about pulling my pants up the entire time. So just, just some more sensible clothes, please. And also the army hammer thing. All right. Well, uh, devs do listen to this podcast every so often. So hopefully we will see, uh, (laughs) We'll see the Army Hammer mod in the next uh, in the next Skyrim update, or uh, or maybe I, I you know I could see the Fallout team doing it. Um, they, they have a good oh, yeah. sense of humor. Or every every woman is wearing a, a boyfriend cardigan and like some some skinny jeans. Yes. <laughs> there's there's like uh, there's fetch quests where it's like, could you just like it's really cold in here? Could you like find a coat or something like that? I'd like to trade 34 ghoul livers for a hoodie for my female companion here. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a comfort index for both characters and you have to make sure it's sort of, I like this. This is, this is, this is like a, a perfect mix. I think this would add immersion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. As someone who's always cold, I'm, I, I, I was exploring these elven ruins. So I'm like, this, this isn't about not wanting to see her boobs. It's about. I'm putting myself in her shoes and I'm cold as shit. And I'm freezing, yeah. Yeah, I'm freezing. I want I want her to have a thermal thermal shirt on, fuzzy sweater, maybe some slippers. I don't know, we're in combat. <laughs> combat slippers. I gotta have them in the world of the Witcher, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys for being on. This has been really wonderful. Um, any final thoughts that you feel we didn't get to? I think we covered it. All right. Yeah. Um, well, this is a great conversation. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for being on. I also, I'll, I'll say the one thing that really stood out to me was um, moving on from the easily uh, caricatured do better t- to the uh, much more meaningful uh, actually like be, do more solidarity or find more solidarity. I think that's like yeah. something that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like really do better. <laughs> Actually, do better. Just no, like seriously. <laughs> yeah, right. That that too. <laughs> All right. Thanks, you guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, please come back anytime. Thank you. All right. Thank All you right. for having me on. Absolutely. <laughs>